From the Sunshine State, this is Tampa Bay's TAN Talk. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. My name is Bond, James Bond. My instructions were implicit. I was to leave for Jamaica in two hours, licensed to kill. Now you may be miss it. You don't miss a thing. I decided to accept your invitation. I have to leave immediately. Just as things were getting interesting again. <laughs> License to kill whom he pleases, where he pleases, when he pleases. From the elegant club rooms of Mayfair to exotic island night spots. Good evening. Who pays you? You. Tell us. A strange adventure of intrigue, treachery, and love. Mr. Bond, I was thinking, why don't you collect me at my apartment? It's lovely up here in the mountains. Her directions were easy to follow, and she sent a few of her friends to make sure I didn't get lost. She thought I was dead, but I proceeded to prove her wrong. I thought it was always polite to knock first before shooting. Honey, from our very first meeting, was everything her name implied. She clung to me like a wet bathing suit. But business as usual came first. The pace was killing. I thought you less stupid. I could have had you killed in the swamp. And why didn't you? You damaged my organization. Unfortunately, I misjudged you. You are just a stupid policeman whose luck is run out. Maybe it was my luck. Up to my neck in hot water. Or something blowing up in my face. You live dangerously with the superbly resourceful James Bond. The exclusive screen dramatization of the book that has entertained millions of viewers. The exotic and tantalizing Dr. No. Some people will go to any extremes for a little privacy. Jets 
sudden an open sky, a streak of gray, and a cheerful... A loop, a whirl, and a vertical climb, and once again, you'll know it's time for the adventures of... Rocky and Bullwinkle, and friends. Starring that supersonic speedster, Rocket J. Squirrel, with his pal, Bullwinkle the Moose, and a host of others. I'm coming as fast as I can. Wait to the people. Yay! Now what are you doing? Sign an autograph. This is John Smith. But your name is Bowwinkle. I know, but that's hard to spell. Hey everybody, this is Andy Powell, guitarist, Wishbone Ash, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past 568 shows, I think is what we got counting now, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com, the archive page, slash podcast, I guess, if you will. Good evening, Bobby. How you doing? Yeah, you're... Yeah, you're in the driver's seat. Avery, how you doing tonight? He's doing okay. Yeah, uh, we won't hold it against him. He drove a Chevy S10. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, okay, so what would we do this weekend? Well, we had uh, a fun time over at the Villages Car Show. I've been kind of a regular appearing over there lately, uh, every month. Uh, it's third Saturday of the month. And uh, we also did up through the Inverness Car Show. That's also the third Friday of every month. And then, um, remember, I think I told you about a week or so ago, I stumbled on this guy that had all these weird parts over there in, somewhere in Florida. And uh, we made a trek over there again, and um, he had more stuff he pulled out of his hat, if you will. And uh, some pretty cool stuff. So, you know, there's some pretty amazing stuff out there. Um, wow, what do you got going on here? Well, if you want to find out what's going on in the state of Florida, don't forget to check out flacarshows.com. We can find out about all the car shows. Right, Bobby? FLACarshows.com. Okay, the big thing coming up here, well, actually, it's going to be going on here in about a week or two, is the Shelby American Meet in uh, California, IA, if it's not too warm out there, since they got a couple forest fires going on. That would be taking place in uh, Sonoma County at Sonoma, Sonoma Raceway or Sears Point. What do they call it now, Bobby? Is it Sonoma Raceway again? Back to Sonoma Raceway. Okay, good. And then the week after that is uh, Speed Week at uh, that little little dry little spot out there in uh, Utah called uh, the Bonneville Soft Flats. And then a week after that is the great Monterey Collector Car Week. So that's the big stuff going on. Anyway, and then, of course, Woodwood Dream Cruise and a bunch of other stuff going on in Michigan. And it's the summertime, man. There's stuff going on all over the place. So get out there and drive your cars. Um, we have a very special guest coming on this evening. We're kind of like doing a continuation of our kind of like rock and roll 60s, 70s kind of psychedelic music scene thing, you know. You did not take her. All right, what would you call it, Bobby? A couple years ago? Well, no, that was the fall of rock because the summer of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, Startober, that was it, yeah. And in fact, we'll probably have to do that again because we've got some celebrities that we want to bring on. I and mean, we're kind of shifting back and forth between music and cars because we like music and we like cars. Sure, and it is nostalgic radio and cars, right? For first and foremost, radio and car. Uh, well, yeah, it's okay. It's the same things. The implication is the same. The uh, you know, the format's the same, and you know, we always play a little music. We always play a little music clip. Uh, you know, we try to kind of get everything ready for our guests. So on that note, what I'm going to do, Bobby, is I'm going to let you fire up the stereo. Drop the needle in the groove, man. And, uh, oh, yeah, here's a tribute to uh, Robbie Steinhardt. He was a guest on our show a couple years ago, again, talking about musicians. He was the, one of the founding members and the violinist for Kansas. So here's a little Kansas. What's the song, Bobby? The Wall. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. 
that I have chosen now has led me to all. And with each passing day, I feel a little more like something dear was lost. It rises now before me, a dark and silent barrier between all I am and all that Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Okay, we're back, and uh, we are your musical show host, Robert, this evening, and Bobby. How you doing that, Bob? Oh, you got a musical bumper, a little good times, bad times, yeah. Music bumper. Anyway, um, yeah, car show stuff, uh, music stuff. Let's see, what's going on? Any musical stuff going on this summer, Bobby, you can think of? I can't think of anything right at the moment. Nothing going on in Florida here. Probably, um, but at any rate, so we got lots of car stuff going on. That's exactly right. Well, that was the thing I thought was kind of cool about the uh, little car show in Inverness. There, they actually had a live band there, and they were playing some good old rock and roll. Played a lot of Leonard Skinner, didn't they? And then uh, Southern Rock Country Rock. Yeah, that was cool. Well, of course, you know, you're talking Citrus and Hernando County up there, so that's uh, kind of in the in the in the, in the country, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another car show that takes place. I think it's the third or fourth weekend of the month. It's up in uh, Ocala. It's a bunch of Volkswagen guys getting together, and they do a little car show up there, which is kind of pretty cool. And I haven't been to that one yet. Uh, Sarasota, let's see. We had a little get-together here a couple weeks ago, and there was a bunch of car guys down there. Most of the cars were exotic, so, you know, kind of cool stuff. But uh, other than that, I don't have a lot of stories this week because nothing's broke down well no everything's nothing well i shouldn't things shouldn't be breaking down yeah we actually got the old black excursion running there that's been sitting for a while so yeah that's the source of a sound effect if you can find that we can that's a real sound effect yeah but it actually runs good now you know what we did and i'm going to have to approach these people for a sponsorship here i think but uh, we actually tried Marvel Mystery Oil, we tried uh, some of the other stuff. I think it's called Redline, and then there's some other stuff out there. But we actually got a hold of about a gallon of uh, seafoam. And to our surprise, we when we changed the oil, did we change the oil on anything? I don't remember if we did it. We did? Okay. Um, when we, for good radio, we'll say we did. Okay, well, so we tried a little of seafoam. We put some in the uh, crankcase. We put some in the gas tank. We put a lot of it in the gas tank. And when I changed the fuel filter, I put some in there. Now, keep in mind, this truck has not run three years. Well, I mean, we started it. We didn't really drive it. We just kind of cranked it a little bit, right? It has not moved in three years. So that's not, not, we're talking about the starter on this show that one time where we couldn't find a 17-millimeter, a short enough cell. You know, and, and, and these engineers, have, in their infinite wisdom, they, they designed this stuff, you know, on a sketch pad, basically, and then they expect these guys down at the assembly line to kind of throw it together. But what they always forget about is how the stuff gets fixed. You know, we have to service this stuff. Well, they don't design it to be repaired. They des- Well, short of a dealership taking care of it. But, uh, you know, for the individual guy. Man, I tell you what, that starter was like inches away from the side frame. And if you didn't have a really, really, really short 17-inch 
17, yeah, 17 millimeter wrench. Then I went to Snap-on. I went to check out the Snap-on tools, right? Because Sears had them back when Sears was in business and they had Craftsman. I, I got these little short uh, standard wrenches. They worked out really, really good. So I, I should have bought a set of metric ones, but I don't know if they had a set or not. But anyway, so long and short of it, I went to Snap-on. I think the whole Sears set was what? Maybe $13, $14 or something like that for a whole bunch of them from half inch all the way or, th- or three-eighths all the way up to seven-eighths or something like that. So I went, saw a Snap-on truck, and I said, hey, you got any 17 millimeters, a short one? And he's looking, and he's going, no. But he had this one that was on his truck. It was kind of like a, a hook, kind of like an old-style manifold wrench that, that has like a arc to it, right? I said, uh, hey, that, that might work. You know, it's a little short, and it's got a hook to it. I think I can make that work. I said, what do you want for that? He goes, 59 bucks. I go, what? He goes, $59. I said, $59? Now, I always used to buy Snap-on tools when I had the wrecking yard. 59 bucks. So I said, dang. I said, uh, how much for a set? Three hundred and some odd dollars. Now you got to be a pretty high-paid mechanic to be able to afford Snap-on tools these days, you know. So that's uh, was not in my budget. But at any rate, we figured. Yeah, we'll have to do a giveaway. Maybe we can get Snap-on to sponsor us and throw in a set of wrenches or something like that. I don't know. But on that note, I think Bobby, it's time to go ahead and fire up the stereo. Let's go ahead and get our guest on the radio show here in a few minutes because this gentleman is really groovy. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Here's a little Gypsy from 1969, Gypsy Part 1. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. Dave Mason, co-founder of the classic band Traffic and writer of a song which you all know called Feeling All Right. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. Uh, played Little Gypsy. Now, let me tell you about that song. That's when I first moved to Florida from California in 1971. You know, kids, you know, you're always into music and stuff. And uh, so you always listen to the top, I guess it was called 40 back in those days, too. And we had an AM station around here called WLCY. And they would play this song from time to time. And I really dug that song. I actually went out and bought the album. I still have the album. But you know what? What's even cooler is the fact that I can actually introduce to you this evening on the radio show the founding member, one of the founding members, lead singer and keyboardist for that 70s psychedelic rock and roll band, James Al Walsh. James, how are you doing this evening? I am wonderful. Thanks for calling. Hey, listen, I got to tell you, uh, well, you probably heard that part, but uh, that was the intro, and that was just uh, a cool song, and I just, I still play it, I still love it, and uh, thanks for writing it. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate being on your show. I read your list of past guests, and I almost fell over. (laughs) I have no idea why you want to talk to me, but I'm honored to be here, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. Super. Now you got to ask me one question. Where does Owl come into play? Owl comes into play. We went to California in 1968, and I was 19 years old, and uh, I was up all the time. I was up all night, so they started to call me Owl, Night Owl, you know. Uh huh. So I would stay up playing, and we had a practice. Uh, set up in our garage, and I would play it, sit out there all hours of the night, and play the keyboard. So that's where the name came from. 
Okay, well, reading some of the uh, history on you, uh, you started like around 12 years old playing with bands in Minnesota, and you started out as a drummer, right? Yes, sir. How did you gravitate to work, keyboards? Too much work, too much work, and too much gear. Too so much work? I, I, yeah, setting up drums. and. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I actually was asked to uh, join a band who needed a keyboard player, and uh, I had been fumbling around with the keyboards for a couple years, and uh, so I decided to take a shot, and I joined that band. And that really was the start of it all. I started playing drums in a polka band when I was 12. And we would travel all over Minnesota uh, every weekend playing ballrooms and stuff. So I still think my parents are trying to get rid of me. <laughs> well, you know, now think about this. You know, this is what, the early 60s now when this took place? So polka yeah. was kind of in, you know, Bobby Vinton and those guys, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Minnesota, you know. Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Minnesota. Well, yeah, speaking of which, some pretty interesting people came out of Minnesota. The Del Counts, which uh, you have yeah. good relationship with those guys. The Castaways, the Trashmans, the Crows, or Crow Band, uh, the Andrew Sisters, Prince, yeah. Judy Garland, Eddie Cochran. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, quite a bunch of people that are... Yeah, it's a good list. ...that made it big out of yeah. Minnesota. We're playing, we're actually playing with Crow in October here at a big uh, facility called Medina Ballroom, and uh, that's going to be a good show with the two bands back together. I asked you this once before because it always says uh, James Al Watch, Walsh, excuse me, White Bear Lake. Now, I, I, I asked you about White Bear Lake because I bought a car off a guy up there, uh, Joe Badnay, up in White Bear Lake. So did you spend a lot of time up there, or were you actually in Minnesota? I mean, oh, Minnesota, I, Twin City, I mean, Minneapolis, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I lived up there for a number of years, and uh, there was a couple articles written about me in the local papers, and that's kind of why they identified me from White Bear Lake. Okay. Now, I heard that one of your big songs that you did back in the day was a cover by uh, Martha and the Vandellers. Was it Heat Wave? Was that the one that uh, kind of yeah. put you on the map a little bit? That's what started me out, yep, and WDGY who was the big station here, played it all the time. So that's when I was 13 and uh, moving up the ladder of nonsense, you know. Well, now, and, and what was the name of that band? Was, it, was that the one that was the half, the hot half dozen? Hot, hot half dozen, yep. So what's it like when you're 12, 13, 14 years old and you're starting to get musical recognition, you see the potential, this is the 60s, the Beatles are out, the British Invasion's coming on, you know, American rock and roll, we've got all this other political nonsense going on, so you have all these elements taking place. Do you, are you still thinking about being a student and pursuing your, your uh, curriculum and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, a normal career, life, and all that stuff down the road? Or are you like, hey, I think I'm going to make it here in the rock and roll business? Uh, I went. I said to myself, hey, I think I'm going to make it here in the rock and roll business. So I never finished high school. I left at 11. Really? 11th grade, yep. We went out on the road. Uh, that was a band called the Underbeats, who were the number one band here in Minneapolis. That's when I was 16 years old. And uh, subsequently, we turned into Gypsy out in California a few years later. But I, I wanted to be a musician ever since I was five years old. I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was trying piano and playing drums in the high school or the, the junior high band and stuff, you know. So I, I knew it all along. And your mom w was a singer, so she was a musical influence on you, right? Yes, she was. She uh, 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 took me to a lot of uh, barbershop harmony uh, contest and she was in a barbershop quartet and so i got in interested in this harmony thing uh early on which which was the big calling card for gypsy we had great singing and big harmonies and i love that right from the start too so now you're 16 years old underbeats from minneapolis now, I'm not from the Midwest, although my mom's from Peoria or north of Peoria, so I kind of have a Midwest connection. But what was it like? Because, you know, you always think New York, L.A., Miami, even Chicago, particularly for the Blues, and then, of course, uh, Louisiana. So what's it like Minneapolis? I mean, was there a real strong rock and roll culture coming out of there? 
Yeah, there was. You know, uh, at that time we had uh, the Trashman, which had Surf and Bird, which was very big. And there were 300 bands in town here playing all the time. And WDGY was actually playing songs from these bands. And uh, so there was a real culture of getting out of here, which we talked about right away. We uh, we knew when I joined the Underbeats, we were going to uh, eventually gravitate to California. But uh, something came up with the lead guitar player, and he had to go into the service for two years. So we waited for him to get back. But I was uh, doing real good at 16, 17. I, I had a brand new car, speaking of cars. Okay. Hope we'll talk about cars. What kind of car was and, it? Uh, uh, my first car was a 63 Chevrolet with a uh, custom Jack Wheeler engine that was, uh, Jack Wheeler was one of the premier engine builders here in Minnesota. And it had 800 horsepower. Jeez. And it had four two-barrel uh, two carburetors. And it was really, really fast. And uh, I've been a car guy all my life. And then when I was, uh, the next car I bought was a brand new 66 Ford Galaxy 500 uh, two-door hardtop with a four-speed 390. Oh. Uh, the place that I bought it from, it was special order because nobody bought a four-speed in a uh, Galaxy Galaxy 500. And that had the 390, and that was real fast, too. little light in the rear end, but it was fast. I love cars. That's great. Well, let me ask you this. Speaking of cars and transportation, okay, so prior to 16, and you're already with the underbeats, how are you guys getting around? We're getting around in a van. Oh, so somebody was old enough to drive? Yeah, yeah. I was I was starting at twelve and thirteen. I did most of the driving because the other guys were a little older and irresponsible. Huh. So uh, they would make me drive. Really? When I was when I was twelve in the uh, polka band, uh, they had a '58 Chevy with a uh, trailer, and I would they would pick me up at my house. And we'd drive a few blocks away, and then I would drive. And they would drink in the car, and, you know, this was crazy. Gotcha. They'd drop me off on Sunday. They'd pick me up on Friday and drop me off on Sunday. So it, it was wild. So when you're 16 now, you're still the underbeats, and you have a van. Um, when did you move up to a bus, or did you ever get a bus? Yes, we absolutely got a bus. We bought a uh uh, it was a 30-foot flexible bus. I don't know if you're familiar with those. But Wait a minute. Is that like one of those street thingies with a little flexible thing and they went so they can go around a turn, turn real easy? No, 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 no. This was a 1948 flexible. Oh, okay. Like you see in the movies a lot. But it was very reliable, and we took the inside out and put in bunks and equipment bay and, and uh, seating for everybody. It was good. It was good. It was real nice. Now, is that what you got you to California? No. How'd you get to Cali California? IA? We bought we bought in the, uh, nineteen uh, in nineteen sixty eight. We bought a school bus. Oh, school bus. And yeah, and we took that out there, painted it red, white, and blue with stars, and uh, found out that was a mistake when we got halfway out there because. That was a time when no hippies were allowed, so we'd pull into a gas station and there'd be signs, no hippies or long hairs, you know, allowed. So we had trouble finding gas and stuff. Really? So they... There a couple times, yeah. So when you moved out west, from leaving Minneapolis out to L.A., did you play gigs along the way? No. No, we went directly out there. We had, we had $500. We had the bus. We had a manager and uh, two guns, hmm. and we uh, headed for L.A. Well, now I have to ask you this: since you're from Minnesota, which is you know, there's a lot of rural areas up there. Were you into hunting and any of that kind of stuff at all too? Because you mentioned no. guns, so were you familiar with guns? No, no, no. We, we these were protection items we thought we'd bring with us. Okay, um, so when you get out to L.A. 
And what was it like? What was the, you know, when you kind of got settled a little bit, what was it like for you guys? It was overwhelming and a big, you know, uh, we, we started with the home out in the valley, uh, and uh, it was nice. Our manager got it for us, and uh, we starved for quite a while. And uh, breaking into clubs and stuff out there was really tough because it was kind of a clicky thing, mm-hmm. club owners and stuff and where you played. But we finally got a break, and we played up on Sunset Strip at Gazari's. And that was really the place where a lot of the bands had started, and there was a lot of visibility up there. That was a block up from the Whiskey A Go Go, which was the place to play. So we followed into Gazari's, we followed the Doors, we followed uh, Buffalo Springfield, and some of those bands. So finally, we we uh, got Elmer Valentine from the Whiskey A Go Go came up the street one night and saw us. And went back, and Chicago, CTA's album had taken off. And uh, so Elmer said, invited us to be the new house band at the Whiskey, which was a huge break for us because we got to play every night, and we opened for all the stars that came there. But the number one thing is they would feed us. Huh. So we'd roll our bus up there about 5 o'clock, and we eat for about an hour, and then... Uh, start playing we played before the opening act and then we'd play after the opening act so we played in front of little richard uh uh we opened for the kinks uh you know a lot of bands that just had come over from europe played there and uh, we'd open for them so it was a good it was a really good place how long were your sets back in those days Oh, I think we did an hour, and then whatever would fill in the end of the night, we would do. Okay. So, what? How many songs did you do? Was it mostly your own songs, or did you do covers too? Well, we did we did covers when we first got to Los Angeles, and we got a write up by a guy named Ernest Feather, who was the biggest writer in Los Angeles, and said he loved the band, he loved the vocals. And he hated our name. We were still called the Underbeats then. Oh, so yes. we changed our name one night. We actually smoked our name out one night. <laughs> we around a campfire and smoked ourselves to death till we figured out it was Gypsy, and that's what we stuck with. And then the uh, the uh, when you were there and you were playing at the... Um, Whiskey a go go, yeah. And you came in. So you'd mentioned the Doors earlier. Did you get a chance to meet any of those guys? Were they still in town when you were there? No, we did not. No, we did not. Okay. How about Chicago? We lived with Chicago. And oh, really? Sports. Yeah, we played sports with Chicago every Sunday. Whatever sport was in season, we would play against them. And uh, they were very, very good friends with us. And every Sunday, we'd pull up in our raggedy buses or cars, and they'd pull up in Corvettes and Colorados. <laughs> but uh, we always kick their ass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, now, what, what, what was, like, in those days, now, Chicago and, let's just say, like, San, did you ever get up to the San, San Francisco scene at all? Or were you always just still in L.A.? No. Okay. We, uh, we eventually... Uh, got a record deal uh, because everyone came to the whiskey at night. Mm-hmm. So Ahmed Erdogan had uh, come to see us there from Atlantic Records, who was like the biggest guy in L.A. at that time and all time, you know. Mm-hmm. And then two brothers from Metro Media Records came and saw us one night. They had Bobby Sherman, who was all over television, and he had a number one hit on the radio. So they made an offer, and Atlantic made the offer, and uh, much to my chagrin, we should have taken the other offer with Atlantic, but we took Metro Media, thinking we'd get better treatment and more personalized stuff. We didn't know that they didn't know what to do. Oh. You know, so we, we had to fight them all the way for ads and, and money, and uh, they, they, were, they were publishing guys. They weren't really record guys. 
I gotcha. So back in the day, so let's just say they call Chicago kind of a jam band. Santana was kind of a jam band. And there was, I was reading someplace where you guys kind of figured, considered yourselves kind of jam bands. And, you know, where you get together and just play music and, and you do your thing. Is that how you looked at yourselves back then? Um, yeah, a little bit. We, we enjoyed that aspect of the music. But uh, in an effort to find a record deal, we really were working on our writing and improving our writing. And uh, we, we didn't have very good... Uh, original material, but a guy named Bob Stein saw us one night at the Whiskey, and he had a studio called El Dorado Studios, and he said he had a song for us. So we went up to his studio, and we heard the song, and he said, here, you take this home, and uh, he gave us a lyric sheet, you tell me, he says, I think this is going to be a hit, and tell me if you guys want to do this. Well, we decided not to do it, Mistake number two, and it was he ain't heavy. He's my brother. Oh, which he gave to the Hollies, right? So, keep account now. That's two. Okay. All right. Who who were some of the, when you're in 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 that groove, so to speak? I mean, did you? Well, I have to ask you this. So Laurel Canyon was a big deal back then. There was a lot of hippies hanging around there, a lot of musicians, a lot of, you know, Buffalo Springfield, people like that. You know, they all hung out there, Neil Young, everybody. So did you come in contact with a lot of those people? Yes, we did. We uh, eventually bought a home in Laurel Canyon. Really? Uh, We lived on Horseshoe Canyon Boulevard, and our neighbors were Mickey Dolans. Oh, no kidding. Monkeys. And the other side of us was uh, Frank Zappa. Oh, wow. Mothers of Invention. Frank Frank Zappa was a great guy, mellow, and he had a bowling alley at his house, Uh in his house. So we would, uh, of course, smoke a few and go down to Frank's and bowl whenever we wanted to. Uh It was really nice. And Mickey Dolenz was a good guy, too. He had a a treehouse that he rented in the back of his house. A treehouse. Strangers, yeah. And uh, so we never knew who was looming over our yard, you know. But these were beautiful homes up there in the hills, you know. We lived close to uh, uh, Mama Cass Elliot, which was the big party house up there. That was all the uh, guys uh, in... Mamas and Papas. Crosby's, yeah, and Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young. Oh, okay. Up there a lot, too. Now, did you ever get together and sh- do do musicians, like, you know, car guys, racers, you know, we all kind of get together and compare notes and, you know, pick up ideas and share ideas and share parts, tools, and all that kind of stuff. Do musicians, musicians back in those days, did you guys do that stuff too? No. No? No. No, there was, at least for our experience, there wasn't a lot of cross-referencing like that or people getting together. So you guys didn't, like, sit in the living room there and just, hey, look at listen to this tune. What do you think? And, you know, you, you play a couple riffs real quick, and then you get on the keyboard, do the oh, same? With our, with our own band, we did all the time. Uh-huh. We rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed, and eventually started writing some good material, uh, which uh, was on the first album, which uh, still is, I think, the best one we've ever done. And we'll be chasing that down forever. So Gypsy... Okay, which I like. I, I totally dig that song. How that song come about? Who wrote the lyrics? Well, you did, I guess, right? And uh, uh, it was a kind of a collective effort. Yeah, Rico and I and Jim Johnson, mm-hmm. who are no longer with us, Rico and Jim, uh, we wrote most of those songs uh, collectively. The three of us, we would sit down and swap ideas, and then we'd enhance things. Everybody brought something to the table. It was really kind of cool so what was the inspiration that's, that's, for that that's the that's the chemistry of of a good band mm-hmm. you know yeah what was the inspiration for that song gypsy queen mm-hmm. um girls oh, okay <laughs> yeah. makes sense um yeah. so now you have a new cd out okay and uh it's called red stone line and the opening song on there, Scream of a, a Dying World, and the beginning of that song has almost like the same opening as Gypsy Queen. It did. It does. Warning. I, yep. I wanted that for our, our old fans who have stuck with us for over 50 years, and I wanted to bring that back for them, and uh, 
the song that follows is uh, Changing World. Very, uh, yeah, it's about our our screwed up world. <laughs> I, can't I can't swear, can I? No, 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 no. We're not. FCC will throw me off the air, but I know what you're saying. I can read between the lines. Good. But anyway, <laughs> so well, well actually, there's there's I another one. I asked because I because I almost did. Okay, no, 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 no. Uh, well, you know, there's uh, another song on there that um, kind of uh, let's see, is it the garden is dying? I mean, what's the yeah. there's a kind of t- there's a, is that tied into yeah. changing world that a little was, bit? Yeah, that's exactly right, and uh, that was just kind of our closing. And uh, we thought we'd wrap it up with something. We had Here in the Garden on our second album, which people really loved, and we played it for years on the road. So that was kind of a, a reflection of that song. Okay. And another statement about what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I listened to all the songs on there, and I like Stone Cold Crazy. I think this is a good song, too. And where I'm going with this is that it's it doesn't it's more along the lines i mean the genre is more because you got a horn section in there now and it's like i would say it's kind of like easy listening kind of jazz am i on the right is that was that the intent of this this cd with those with that music a little bit i would say that that has a very nice jazz flavor to it Mm -hmm. and it's got some songs that sound like uh, You Are the One sounds a lot like Gypsy of Old. Mm-hmm. But but after 50 years, um, you know, my musical mind uh, has moved on. Uh, you, you got time for a story about sure, that? Sure, absolutely. We got uh, about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes yet. Okay. 10 minutes yet, yeah. I'll go sure. quick. Uh, last December, I got COVID. And I was very, very sick. I got better in January, and these songs started coming to me. And I don't know where they came from or or what, whatever manifested this dream, mm-hmm. but they came two at a time, and I realized that I had to write them uh, and record them as fast as possible. So we re- I would write to, we record to, I would write to, record to, and that's where this whole album came from. And uh, it's getting a very good reception from our fans. We're streaming everywhere now, and uh, we're selling some CDs, especially in Minneapolis and St. Louis, which is our stronghold. Well, now, see, that's interesting, because last week we had on Ron Stevens from KSHE, and... He, we were talking about some of the early bands, and Gypsy was one of them. And they gave you a ton of airplay, and that's a huge market there, and it reaches all the way to Chicago, from what I understand. Or in in the they it, were they were so good to us, and still still are. Um, you know, they play our classic stuff all the time, and uh, but they played our stuff over and over and over. It was just incredible. Now, back in the day, did you guys at at any stage, okay, whether you were with the uh, Underbeats or the Hot Half Dozen or Gypsy, did you have to go knock, knock, knock to a radio DJ and say, "Hey, man, could you uh, can I can can you play this record for us?" Or you know, and give us some airplay? Did you go through that period too? Yes, we went when we finally got on RCA. Uh, we did a lot of traveling and going to record stores and doing in-store things for them. We did a lot of that. Okay, so fast forward today. You have a new CD out. How do you get it out there? The same way? Well, we have we have a real built-in audience mm-hmm. of, uh, I would say, four to 5,000 people who ordered it and uh, bought it prior to its coming out. Uh-huh. So there's a good start, and uh, right now we're just doing it through the internet, like everybody else is kind of doing. You know, the streaming's working out, working out good, and we're selling uh, some songs on on uh, Spotify and all those platforms. 
Touring, how's your, uh, how are you kind of set up for that? Is that something you want to kind of keep like on a localized thing, or do you plan on doing it nationally, or how do you? No, we are, we are, of course, we haven't played for quite a while. We just played two shows here mm-hmm. uh, locally. We had a CD release party here, and then we played an outdoor show a few weeks ago. But uh, uh, we're going to St. Louis on uh, September 16th uh, for three days. Mm-hmm. We're doing uh, three shows there. And then we come back here and we're playing at Medina Ballroom with Crow. Okay. And then we're just uh, going to mellow out through the holidays. And then we've got some dates for next year already. So okay, you know, we're getting older and uh, it's harder to travel than ever with a, this big a band. Uh-huh. You know, you asked about the horn thing. That started on our fourth album. Right. When we had Chicago play, the horn section played with us. And so that's where that started, and I kind of carried that over. I did an album with called James Walsh Gypsy Band, and uh, I've had the horns ever since. Who are some of the other people that you played with over the years throughout the, let's say, the mid to late 70s that you either opened up for or you played with that were really kind of, you know, where there was a synergy. I mean, is 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 there, is the synergy work? I mean, is that the right word? I mean, when you collectively work with other bands. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We were we traveled. You asked about the San Francisco thing. Mm-hmm. We traveled from Washington down Oregon and uh, San Francisco. We played uh, many times, and uh, L.A. We played a lot, and around that whole area. But we played with uh, Chicago. We played with the Guess Who. We played with Black Sabbath. Really? We played with uh, uh, Grassroots a lot. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, uh, I can't. Oh, sorry, my. No, no, that's okay. When you played in San Francisco, did you play at the uh, Fillmore and then uh, the um, the Ice Palace? Yeah, Winterland. Winterland. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, we played uh, uh, at the Fillmore with Spirit uh, and several bands, and then we played at the uh, Winterland with the Guess Who, Mason Prophet, and the Chambers Brothers. Oh wow! And that's how we got tied up with the uh, Guess, Guess Who? Who, and we opened up for them for two and a half years. So, what was it like working with uh, Randy Bachman and uh, Fred Turner? Well. Uh, Randy Bachman was gone. That's oh, that's right. Yeah, it would have been Burton Cummings would have still been with him. Yeah, so we traveled with them for two and a half years, and it was a ball. Okay, I keep thinking you know, that's BTO, Fred Turner and, and Bachman. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we uh, we played in every major city, every secondary city, every major college in the United States. We went to Hawaii twice with them, and we uh, went to Canada twice with them. Canada was interesting because there's no roads up there. So we had our own 747 oh. that we flew in up there, and uh, we would load the gear on and all the guys. And I remembering sitting with Burton Cummings in his room at night, and uh, uh, we were smoking hash. Can I say that? <laughs> you already did. Don't worry. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, so we were smoking and passing the pipe to the two pilots Uh-oh. of the plane. They would not drink, but they would smoke. Interesting. So every morning, every morning, yeah, we'd load up, get on the plane, and the last two guys up the stairs were the pilots. <laughs> they, they must have had a ball. <laughs> I can only imagine. Fly in that plane. Well, as long as they didn't do any loops or anything like that, what was it like playing, let's say, like open venues versus, and we got a few a minute or two left, uh, college gigs? They were fun. Very enthusiastic crowds. You know, it was it was always fun, and they treated us good. All the time with the guests who we were treated very well. Okay. Yeah. So if now a lot of guys don't get to do this, but I will ask you this: Is there we got a minute or two left? And uh, is there something you know that you want to talk about? That's cool, a story, 
and that you don't get to share a lot, you know, because a lot of times, you know, people, are, you know, interviews are scripted and all that kind of crap. Mine aren't. We're just kind of like we wing it. So if we got a minute or two left. You want to? You got a, a a two minute story? We were a house band at the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah. We're up in the dressing room. Yeah. And uh, in the door comes Jimi Hendrix Ooh. and Buddy Miles. And Jimi Hendrix had come up to apologize to us for using the name Gypsy in the band of Gypsies. And uh, we said, well, if we, you know, we don't care, buddy. We probably sold 20,000 more albums because <laughs> of it, but who cares? So at the end of the night, uh, Jimi Hendrix came with me yeah. and came up to our house and stayed for three days. Wow. Cool. Fabulous. Did you guys do guy. any, did you do any jamming with him? We did. We did. And he was very mellow and very good player and a, we we sang a little bit. We played a couple of our songs, and uh, it was really, really an experience I'll never forget. Wow, that's cool. Well, James, we are up against the wall. So, but I want to thank you very much. We didn't talk about cars. Oh well, you know what? Well, this is where I'm going with this because you're so cool and you got so many stories. We didn't get the half of them. I want to invite you back, maybe sometime down the road, and have you come back and tell some more stories. Was that cool? I would be honored. And then you could let us know how it worked out for you this fall with some of the other groups and the touring, and you know, give us an update. And then your next CD that you're working on. Alrighty. Does that sound good? Very much. Hey, James. Thanks a lot. I want to appreciate it. And uh, you take care and have uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. I want to thank my special guest, James Al Watch Walsh. Gotta get to get this straight. Uh, lead singer, founding member, and keyboardist for the 70 Psychedelic Rock Band Gypsy. Hey guys, don't forget we're gonna be doing a lot more music stuff and a lot more race car stuff coming on. Don't 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 fret. We'll be doing a little bit of both. Keep you guys all entertained here. In the meantime, I want to make sure you guys taste tune and check us out here every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports and music. Right, Bobby? And uh, don't forget to uh, follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Bobby, what are, the, what are the social media thingies? Oh, man, <laughs> you'll find it. Yeah, just Google Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You'll find us somewhere. Or Gulfstream Motorsports if you have any car questions. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.